two steps over here. Uh, this assessment is at Hallandy, because that is a house of the land. So, all you people who are
everyone we saw was huge. Well, we even saw some Nephilim giants. Alongside them, we felt like grasshoppers, and they looked down on us as if we were grasshoppers. Ten looked at the land, and through their natural eyes, saw all the problems, and they became smaller in their own eyes. Two looked at the land through the eyes of faith, through the eyes of God's promise, through the powerful acts that God had already done getting out of Egypt and when they were in the wilderness. All that God had done so far, and they became bigger than the opposition they knew were there. See where we're going with this. We said last time that cheered on by the huge cloud of witnesses mentioned in the beginning of Hebrews chapter 12, that we should grow as big and as tall and as strong in God as we can, so that people can stand on our shoulders, make their hope on the ground that we have managed to win. Tell the stories of the battles that we have fought to encourage them, call this their new ground, so they can stand on our shoulders, see further, go further, and achieve more than us. That's what we established two weeks ago when I spoke. Now some of you might have thought, well, okay, that's okay for certain people groups, you know, certain types of people, like those visionary people, those extroverts, those with special gifts and callings. That's who you're talking about throwing into giants so people stand on their shoulders. I'm going to need the growing, the fighting, and getting tall and big and strong so people stand on your shoulders to them. It's not for me. You know what? Two things wrong with that. One, we are all called to play an important and significant part in God's world salvation plan. There are no favourites and no special people. We're all equal. Secondly, if we don't have the mindset to grow into taller people, then situations around us will make us feel even smaller. Did you catch the verse that I read to you from Numbers 32 and 33? This is what the, the ten spies said. Everyone we saw was huge. Why? We even saw the Nephilim giants. Alongside them, we felt like grasshoppers. And they looked down on us as if we were grasshoppers. So they let fear and the big challenge, what they felt like, affect their minds. My goodness, these chaps are big and there's loads of them. They're everywhere in this mountain hours. So what they affected their minds, and so we felt like grasshoppers. And then their thinking changed into a statement we are grasshoppers, they looked down on us. They convinced themselves they were smaller than they actually were. Because they didn't face up to the challenge God was put in front of them, they shrunk in the estimation of who they were, and the people of God they were, and the promise God had given them, and to the future God had given them. Can you see that? They have shrunk themselves. Now then, Wes, can you come and be the, um, all the Canaanites and the Ephraimites and the wherever and the big giants? Okay, right. 
Okay, come over here, Wes, because I can see my notes and that's easy to do. So, at the moment, face me, you're my enemy, you're living in my land of Canaan, right? He is a bit taller than me. That's me. He's a bit stronger than I am. Hey, but uh, just step back a bit then, let's think you might go to but do you know what? You might not be with me, but do you know what? My God promised me that this land is our land. And do you know what? When we came out of Egypt, there was a big, massive pharaoh that thought he had everything. I wouldn't let us go nine times, but God sorted him out, and we did leave. And do you know what? You Canaanites. How God is so big, it doesn't matter what you're doing and how big you are. Our God can do it. Yeah? This is Joshua and Caleb. In saying all of that and stopping the ten spies in mid-flow and restating God's promise, Caleb and Joshua grew to this point. Then the other ten fearful wins. But they said, oh my word, but they have got fortified cities. <laughs> have you seen how tall they are? Have you seen how well organized they are? You have never seen, you have never seen such an amount of people living in the land that we've got to get rid of. And do you know what? I think they're pretty scary and fierce as well. Yes, I understand. <laughs> Now stay there, Wes. I'm Caleb and I'm Joshua. And the people have just made the opposition, the task, the enemy a whole heap taller. But the rest of the people won't Caleb and Joshua. They're just sit on the floor here where they have sent their bad report. Just look at the hugeness of what they have just done. They have said, we are not capable. They are so much bigger. Thanks, buddy. So they get down to They've taken what was this size of challenge and they made it huge. They made it huge because they have started to think their way into all the problems, take their eyes off the promise, take their eyes off the word, and they started to think how huge they were, so of course they looked and felt like grasshoppers, because what they've just done is picked up the enemy, and they did look like grasshoppers. Let's not do that, church. Really, let's not do that. You see, the horizon, and we've got to Horizon is only as good as where we were last, right? Okay? Unless we keep growing, we are just going to stay at this point. Unless we keep with the challenge of what we're saying, we're going to stay at this point. But God challenges us to keep growing and to keep in faith and to keep full of his vision and full of obedience to do what he says. Or do you have to say, well, you know, horizon's got to this point. Think of the times you keep telling us, if you're not in the 
party, you'll hear it. The times when we left the church with no name, nowhere to meet, no finance. That was day one of Horizon, which was being called Horizon, because God had been given the name. Since then, he's made provision. He has given us a building. We've seen people come into community groups. We've seen people find faith and get employment and help. That's fantastic. We can't live off the old stories. We have to start saying, God, we've got here. We're very grateful for being here. But you know what? There is some more steps for us to take. There are bigger shoulders, taller shoulders, for us to stand on. We need to keep stepping up. And do you know why we keep stepping up? Because we might get to this level and decide to stay at this level. Have you taken a look at the world out there recently? Does that stay as dark and as challenging and as needy? The answer is no. Our world gets media. The problems get bigger. People get their lives into a bigger mess. And if we just say, we've got here, this is where we're staying, eventually, the impact that we have will be reduced in size because the problem around and the, the difficulties and the hardest work that we're caught to is bigger and greater. We've got to keep growing. And how about personally yourself? We're talking about not selling yourself short by keeping yourself small. Horizon's impact on this area requires us to keep stepping up in faith. We will sell the people short if we don't. But you know what? You will sell your faith short and your relationship with short, with God short, unless you step up to the challenging things around you, to all that God is doing. Because if you don't, as we've seen today, those things will get bigger. And then you will feel smaller. So you feel, eventually, like, oh my word, this issue's come up at Horizon. We stopped running so we haven't got the faith anymore to, to deal with it. So we feel like now we're down to be grasshoppers, and they, or the problem, is giants. You see that? It's really important that we face these things and we grow. And so you're going to say, okay, I can, I can see that, I can see that, but how do I grow? I want to grow, and I want to take those steps, and I want to go into a giant, but how do I do that? Well, I'm going to just help with two points today, and I'll try and help you by looking at one person in the Old Testament who was an ordinary bloke with very little hope of achieving anything. The trouble was that when I tell you his name, you won't think of him like that. You will think of all that he achieved because he achieved massive amounts. But I'm not going to tell you his name. If you've got, if you've read your Bible a bit in the Old Testament, you might just imagine him. But anyway, this ordinary bloke, he's called an ordinary bloke at the moment. This is his background. His nation of Israel have been defeated and overrun by a neighboring nation. And he and his people have fled to the mountains where they hid and lived in caves and dens where they didn't want to be found. But even there, their enemies found them and they lived in constant fear because of their constant attacks. And what the enemy did was quite clever. They left them alone when it was planting time and when it was looking after, the, after all the crops and stuff and the, the vineyards. 
They left them alone until they did all the hard work and harvested it all in. Then they came raiding and they took everything that they had grown and worked for. In fact, the scripture says they stayed there in the land, the enemy did, until the land was stripped bare. Things were pretty bad. Our man was in a very low family, in one of the lowest tribes of his nation. He was a coward along with the rest of his people, in hiding, living in fear. Nobody in his nation had the courage to make a stand and change things for the next generation. Nobody. They're all still in their cage. And they all tried to hide their food from the from the enemies that came in. Nobody had it in their head or in their heart or had any faith to say, do you know what? I'm sick of this. We're going to change it for the next generation. Whatever it costs me, I'm not having my kids living under this tyranny. Nobody did that. They were all under the enemy. Things look real bad. His name, does anyone know? Gideon. Now, if you know your Bible, you're automatically kind of thinking, ah, giant killer, this guy is a big guy. He changed the whole of the way the Israelites were living under. Yes, he did. And he, he became the shoulders for the next generation to live in freedom, to see God's power, for them to start trusting God again. But my big question is, and yours should be, how on earth did he get from a nobody, a wimp and a coward, to being a giant where the whole nation stood on his shoulders and they were let out and defeated their enemies? How did he do that? Does anybody want to know? No. Okay, well, I've got that. We'll just pack it now. You want to know, Bob wants to know, but for Bob only, this sermon is for Bob only. How did he do that? Well, I'm going to read from. Um, Judges chapter 6, which for some of you who are new to the Bible, it started the Bible of Genesis and it's seven books in, okay, because I want you to do some homework after this uh, this week. Uh, Judges chapter 6, this is the whole story of Gideon, right? The wind, the coward, like everyone else in his nation. The angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the tree at Ophrah, which you had a television program then as well, which belonged to Joash. Uh, of the clan of Ebiezer. Gideon, the son of Joseph, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Win. No, we didn't. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Now, hang on, excuse me, angel. Have you not seen the situation? Have you read your mission brief? Are you appealing to the right person? This guy looks doesn't look like a hero to me. He's hiding, he's not fighting, and are you sure you've got the right assignment? He's hungry like everyone else, he's not a hero. But do you know what? My first point is that you need to know about Gideon and to yourself about growing. God does God saw in Gideon what he made him to be not what he currently was at that moment. God saw Gideon as the man of God and the giant and the strong man he was to become and he made him not what Gideon looked like at that moment. God saw something in Gideon that he could work with. Verse 13 says, 
Sir, the angel replied. Oh, sir, sir, Gideon replied. This is the angel now just said, you mighty man of valor, you, you're, you're a giver. So this is Gideon's instant response. And listen to this. Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. His instant response was, okay, you're from God. If the Lord is with us, why has this happened to us? Where is the promise? Where is the power my ancestors told you about? What about all those plagues in Egypt that you sent to get them out of Egypt? Why couldn't God go his sleeves up and do some of that stuff now? That was what was in his heart when, when the angel spoke to him. And from what I can gather from that is, Gideon was a man of holy dissatisfaction. He wasn't happy about the status quo. But his response tells me he had not forgotten what God had done before and what God was still capable of. Yeah? I reckon there are thousands of people in his nation that are living under the same conditions and they had moaned and groaned about what was happening to them. And they moaned and groaned so much they'd allow their faith to be whittled down and whittled down and whittled down so it probably didn't even exist anymore. And God looked across the nation and saw a man who was hiding, fleshing out some wheat in a white dress, wrong place. He was doing it to hope to keep some bread for his family. But God could see in his heart, Gideon was like, I don't know where I is. I've heard about stories about you, about power. Where are you? Have you abandoned us? There was something in Gideon that God could see the smallest of faith that God could make a start with. Do you see that? Which is why God appeared to Gideon and is not written about anyone else. So my question to you is, what's your small little bit of faith for dissatisfaction? Or kind of like, come on God, there's got to be more. That God can then work with you see, Gideon didn't see he had any faith. God did. And it wasn't until God pointed that out that Gideon could see it. Maybe you think you've got no faith. But if God is challenging you to do something, he can see some faith. Because it takes faith to obey what God is telling you to do. We just maybe can't see it. So if he sent an angel to you, personally today, the angel would turn up and say, Hello, your name. You are a... Don't just answer it in your head. This is personally to you. What would God see in you that maybe you don't see yet? Or you've got a tiny bit of faith that one day that might happen. For some of you, he'd come and say, hey you, you're a game changer, you're a lifesaver, you're a justice bringer, you're an addiction breaker, you're a hope bringer, you're a peacemaker, you're an answer to problems out there, you're a social injustice person that's going to turn it all around them and bring hope and healing and life to people that are living with you. I don't know, but he would say something about 
our own way, because God has a plan for all of us. So the first thing you need to, if you need to grow, you need to recognize that God sees you as the person he made you to be, not what you currently are now. Okay? Second thing you need to know, and we're going to see this in a minute in you, there is a giant inside all of you. There is a giant inside all of you. Verse 14, then the Lord turned it to Gideon and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. There was enough faith or dissatisfaction already inside of him to grow a giant. God didn't say, right, I give him, uh, I'm going to make you into a mighty man of faith and of valor. Just, just sit there for 10 minutes. I'm going to download this Holy Spirit anointed strength and faith into you, then be ready to go. He didn't say that. He said, Gideon, go in the strength you already have. That tiny bit of faith of, come on God, this isn't right. You are still powerful. Our nation is under, under the cosh at the moment. But you know what? You are a powerful God. You have to stop being God. That tiny bit of faith that Gideon had, he told him that that was enough to go and act on, to go and do. You see, he had it, but he didn't know he had it. And then what happened was, classic, most people that God calls, um, they all have a, God will say, I want you to do this, I want you to do it because of this. What happens next in most stories with this? Moses is a classic example. They start then trotting out all their disqualifications. Oh, I'm not asking. I can't do this. I'm not in the frame for that. I'm not bold like that. I'm from the mountain. <laughs> this is what Gideon did. He, he says to me, but the Lord said, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My plan is the weakest in the whole of Manasseh. I am the least in my entire family. Here he goes again, reducing down to size of the question of what his disqualifications were. Verse 16, the Lord said to him, this is all you need, I will be with you. And you will destroy the Midianites, as if, get this, only it struck me again this morning as I'm reading and preparing this, Again. Get this. I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Just like to tell you at this point that the enemy were numbering in thousands, in fact, 135,000 their troops were. That if you go in my name, I go with you, you will fight them as if you were fighting against one man. Do you see the significance of that? 135,000 seemed pretty big and a gigantic task. But God said, I'm with you. I've got this. I know exactly what I'm going to be doing. And when we pull out the other end of it, You'll realise that is as easy peasy as just fighting one person. 
And that's all right when you come out the other side. When you've got 135,000 to face and you haven't yet done anything about anything, that's pretty hard. But let me tell you, God never asks you to do stuff just to make fun of you, to make you fall on your face and make you fail. If he's asking you to do something and he confirms it, then he's been on the other side, he knows what that's like, and he's saying, come on. It's easy. If you follow me, I'll make it. I will shrink down the size of this to the faith that you've got and be like fighting one man. What about you? Is God speaking to you about stepping up and growing? Is it? Because if he's speaking to you about something, that tells me that you have enough faith in there to get a move on. Ah, oh, some of you don't like hearing that. Because you're in the delayed tactic mode at the moment. Oh, but. Oh, no, no, no. If God is speaking to you about doing something, and if it is really, really big, then make sure you get the captain of your life group leader or one that leads your team or David myself and pray with you. But if really God is definitely speaking to you, don't throw in the excuses. He can see enough faith in you to say, all I need you to do is take the next step. You might not recognise enough faith there, but if God's asking you to do something, he recognises enough faith there. And what excuses are you thinking about at the moment, already coming out of your list of disqualifications? If God is going to be with you and he's telling you to do what, what he's asking you to do, what more do you need? Answer, you don't need any more apart from courage and obedience to do what he said. Now, I haven't got time, which is where you hope God's going to be, Judges chapter 6, remember, in the following chapters. I haven't got time to, in this sermon to unpack the details of the next few steps and stages that Gideon went through to become a giant of the faith. You read that for yourselves and let God speak to you. But what I can suffice to say is, God gave Gideon a personal encounter with him to build up his faith, and Gideon got closer to God through worshipping there and then after that encounter with the angel. God also gave Gideon a small task requiring a little bit of bravery. To be honest, I him a bit and went and did what God had told him to do in the dead of night so no one could see him. The third way he actually did the first challenge that God gave him, which was quite small. God then protected and defended Gideon, people didn't like what he'd done in the dark. God gave Gideon a bigger challenge and grace. Um, he graciously gave him confirmation after confirmation that the real big challenge he called him to was actually what God was saying. And then God, Gideon really did what God said, did the impossible with the faith that was tiny at the beginning, he did the impossible with an army of 300 men, defeated an army of 135,000. That sounds amazing. But when I tell you he didn't have any weapons, that's even more amazing. And when I tell you, the only thing these people, these 300 people had was torches and round-horn trumpets. That is even more amazing. Read for yourself, Judas chapter 6. God sees in you the person he made you to be. And there is a giant inside of you. There is growth inside of you. The question is, are we going to be? Staying where we are and not taking that step. 
and the situation and the circumstances and the challenge becoming so massive we feel like a tiny grasshopper? Or are you going to start stepping up for the small step and then the next step and the next step so actually you look down on the problem and that looks like a Personally, I want you to think about that right now. And God has been on the case for some of you. Two weeks, you've tried to shut this off, you've tried to forget it. You're like, I'm not listening to that podcast again, I don't hear that again. Go and have an argument with God, talk to me. But I'm telling you now, if you don't step up and grow, not growing is bad for you. It doesn't do you any good. Growth is the way to go. The church, well, what is this church going to become if we do what God says? What church are we going to grow so that next generation and these people around here and the Liberal Centre can stand on our shoulders, see hope, see love, see financial provision, see food in their stomachs because we've fed them, see and experience all sorts of things because we have said we're not just settled here and we're, we're settled for settling. We're horizon. We see what God is saying on this, the next step on that horizon. And we're going to move to that because we need to be a church that grows as much. Far as God wants us to, so that others can stand on our shoulders as well. Holy Spirit, I invite you now to come and work in our lives. And first of all, when I pray for anyone here who doesn't know you, that I haven't even started on the faith journey. But I pray for any of those people here now that do not yet know you, that there is something today that's yet actually I need to know you, God. And I pray that you will help them move along in their relationship with you, help them to, to talk to you and to invite you into their lives. But God, for those of us personally here are, who are saying that we want to grow, God, for those that are been fighting this over the last couple of weeks. God, we pray that you will help us have the courage to just grow a bit this week, to open a conversation with you again about what it is you want us to do. And I pray, Father, that each of us, whether we are growing as a, a parent, or as a friend, or as a spouse, or a member of this church, or wherever we're, we're employed, we are growing in stature, we are growing taller, so that other people stand on our shoulders, help us, we pray. And God, collectively as a church, we again commit ourselves to you, and we say, God, we want to take the steps, no matter how scary they are, no matter how big they are, because God, where you've brought us from, we're going to take that faith, we're going to take that trust, and we are going to invest it in faith to take it the next steps as you call us to. In Jesus' name.